boy, when you say like, how do we get people bought into it? It's we try to live it out. Hmm. Like we, it's not when, when somebody's like, what are the three things you do? Or what, what are the systems or process? Or like, do you hang a big piece of paper on the wall? Cause people matter. Yes, we do. But ultimately that's just to remind us and to invite us into action instead of just being some hypothetical uh, mission statement. So yeah, it's, it's really trying to live it out day in and day out in the fun moments where we have popsicles at three o'clock because we have a hot day in Michigan all the way across to a really tender conversation about somebody's future. Yeah, we we really want to live it out. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, community leader, author, speaker, activist, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal with this show is to show you, the listener, that no matter where you are, no matter what you do, you can make a difference. My guest this week is the incredible Josh Block. Josh is the president of Block Imaging, a second generation family business in Lansing, Michigan, specializing in refurbished imaging equipment, parts, engineering service, and mobile solutions. He graduated from Taylor University in 2003 and prior to joining Block Imaging, founded a service company in Muncie, Indiana. But most of all, he is passionate about finding new ways to lead and shape corporate culture such that both the business and team members grow and thrive. This was such a unique conversation because one of the things that we really talked about is the importance of building a strong company culture and creating an environment in which employees and owners of businesses are thriving and they actually love coming into work. This is a great episode for anybody who maybe works in a corporate setting or maybe you are an owner of a company where you have multiple employees This is the conversation for you. You're going to love it. Josh is hilarious. Such a great, great guy. I loved it. So I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. But before we get to my conversation with Josh, I want to thank our partners of the show. And the first one is Tradlands. Tradlands is an incredible, sustainable fashion brand that believes in clothing that you can live in now and love forever. Clothing that not only makes you feel like your best self, but also fits in a way that flatters. Their gorgeous dresses, pants, and tops are more designed to move with you throughout your busy days. Their Nico dress is my dress in a love language. And not only does it have sleeves, but also pockets. And you know how I feel about dresses with pockets. My husband loves it on me. He thinks it's a beautiful dress. And for him to say that, I know that he really actually likes it. (laughs) I love how comfortable and stylish each piece is. I love that they come in classic neutrals or vibrant colors. But one of the things that I love most about Tradlands is their focus on sustainability and creating small batch clothing that lasts. So they never overproduce what they make and they only focus on using the highest quality materials. You can check them out at tradlands.com forward slash business with purpose. That's tradlands.com, T-R-A-D-L-A-N-D-S.com forward slash business with purpose. And you can use the coupon code Molly20 for 20% off. Now on my conversation with Josh Block. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to be here. I am already just in the brief, you know, kind of introductory moment where, you know, because it's always, it's always funny to me when, I mean, I've interviewed literally hundreds of people at this point and almost all of them are over Zoom. Sometimes I get to interview people in person, which is really fun. But I mean, I'd say eight, a lot of times, eight times out of 10, it's my first time meeting somebody. And then it's, it's this weird moment where you have, I've done all this research on this person. And like, now I'm, we're we're hanging out, but there's a computer screen. It's just, it's, but in any event, I just, I feel like we're already, uh, we're, we're already friends. We're already getting to know each other. And, uh, it's amazing when you really think about like, okay, one, one random question, then we're going to get, we're going to get right into sure. it, but this is just who I am. Did you ever watch the Austin Powers movies? <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Big Austin Powers fan over here. Maybe some people will be like, really? I thought your uh, tastes were a little bit more highbrow. They are not. Um, and I remember in the very first one when Austin is like driving around his little car and he pops up the little, the, the video thing and he's talking to Basil. 
over the video and I was like, that's yeah. really cool. What if one day we can talk to people over a screen? <laughs> and so essentially you're Basil and I'm Austin Powers. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad to be it. <laughs> okay. So all of that set up to say is welcome to the show, Josh Block, and give us the Josh Block 101. So who tell us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I, um, I turned 40 this last September. So that feels like, I, I don't know, just this interesting birthday where it feels like you transition to the second half of life. But I am a father of two. I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. Uh, my wife and I celebrated our 19th anniversary last week. Congratulations. Um, we, thank you. Thank you. We met on the first day of college uh, at a place called oh, Taylor University, freshman that. square dance. Oh, uh, stop. I, stop it. That's adorable. I wait. I wasted no time, no time at all. And so we got married and um, moved into inner city Muncie, Indiana, and were involved in community development and creating jobs through uh, owning a labor business. I transitioned to join our family business a little later. Uh, and then 11 years ago, became president of a second generation family business in the radiology space. So we have about 165 team members in Lansing, Michigan, and spread around the world. And we serve healthcare providers with refurbished imaging, equipment, parts, service, and mobiles. And so that's a little bit about what I do and who I am. So here's what I love about you and interviewing people like you on this show. And you know, I've said this before a million times is one of the reasons that I started this show was I wanted to be able to explore the stories behind all different types of companies and businesses that are trying to, you know, as I say in the intro every single week, who are trying to make a positive impact, who are trying to mm -hmm. Im impact the world, in impact their communities, impact families, impact lives, whatever they're doing, mm -hmm. they're using business as a force for good. Mm -hmm. And it, with this underlying understanding that we all have different unique giftings and we you know and and from the lens that i see things through is from a from a spiritual perspective is i believe that god gave us those gifts mm -hmm. to steward well and to sure. use those gifts to serve others and so i mean i've interviewed everybody from you know like from authors to comedians to i mean i had an optometrist on a few years yeah. ago so like people in all different types of industries i can say very like with 100% certainty, you're the first person who works in medical imaging. Um, and so one might be listening and go, why would you have somebody in medical imaging on the show? And I would be like, I'm so glad you asked because there's there's a few things that I happen to know about you that yes, on the surface, you are the president of a second generation medical imaging company. Sure, but there's sure. so much more beneath the surface. And so uh, first, I want you to tell the story or, or kind of share how you kind of came into this business because it was a little bit of a roundabout way, even though it was a family business. So it might not seem on the surface like like it's that that's the case. Sure, sure. So um, my dad started the company 25 years ago this year. And uh, it, in, with no thought that Block Imaging would ever become a well-known organization. I mean, he had five kids going into college. And so kind of tripped and fell from coffee into radiology. I know it's quite a natural move to yeah. from coffee beans to, to medical imaging. And little by little, uh, created and carved out in this niche space, a, a substantial business or what we would be at least known in our niche space is substantial. And so um, grew over the course of, of 10 or 12 years. And then we actually had a, a quick transition. So our family uh, had what, what many would call an emergency situation. And I went from a sales guy to president from a Friday to a Monday. And so at 29 years old, three brothers in the business and about 70 people, um, that, was, that was an incredible moment uh, of, of really finding out who you are and who you want to be as a leader. And so that's kind of the transition story. And that's led to 11 years of really seeking to create a thriving team culture for people. So when you go from being a sales guy to president and you're thrust into a leadership position, you know, that's not obviously a common story for sure. people. And sure. it's funny, I, I interviewed uh, a guy uh, named Cody Foster, um, who's the kind of co-CEO, co-founder of a company called Advisors Excel. And one of the things that we had talked about was 
you know, they've been in business for 17 years. They grew from this really tiny company where like he and his other co-founder were like sleeping on the couches of people they were working with. And, you know, it's really scrappy to now they're a multi-billion dollar business. And, you know, they're working, they have over 800 employees. I mean, they're one of the largest mm-hmm. employers in Topeka, Kansas. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And we were talking, he, he says how, you know, if he had, if the company had been kind of thrust into his lap, Let's just say, you know, 17 years ago, say that he he had come into uh, leadership of this company that's as it is today in 2022. He's like, he would have run that thing into the ground. <laughs> and mm. instead, over 17 years, he's learned leadership lessons along the way. And he's learned how to, you know, kind of that that story of like, with the, the parable of the five talents, like he's who he who is faithful with little things will be faithful with much. Sure. And this, you know, 17 years of, of growth, you, on the other hand, kind of got thrown into, you know, like in a lot of ways, you got the company thrown into your lap. So you didn't have those, you didn't have 17 years to learn leadership lessons. So I'm curious, what was that like for you to get thrust into, you know, uh, owning a company or being president of a company that was already established where you didn't necessarily have the leadership experience, uh, but yet here you are today. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what are. that That's was right. like. There, the two things as you're asking that question that stand out. One is uh, it forced humility. Mm. I mean, there's just, you, you, you've never, I've not seen a P&L profit and loss statement for those who are not in the business world. Right? Yeah. I've, I've not seen cash flow statements. I, I've, I've hired a few people at the past business that I had owned, uh, but so little tangible experience. And I, I knew nothing about our Japan operation. And so even though some people would say it's incredibly overwhelming, it forced humility, like, Mm. and and humility is just the, I mean, many Jim Collins and others would call it like the central leadership trait. And so this whole piece of like going and saying, Hey team, like, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, here, like to, even to this day, I don't know how to turn on CT scanner. (laughs) So we've installed, we've, you know, we've refurbished, installed hundreds and hundreds, sold thousands and thousands. I couldn't turn one on today. And so this piece of like submitting to strengths and protecting weaknesses and just coming in really humble and saying, hey, we're going to need this together because there's a ton I don't know and I'm going to need your help uh, was an incredible gift. And then the the second piece to being thrown into is I actually think running, a, many people are going to be shocked by this, but I think running a large business has some things that are easier than running a small business is having run a small business, you wear all the hats. Right. So marketing and sales and, and operations and HR, you have to be kind of a jack of all trades. Whereas when you have a larger business like we have today, we, we have someone who's an expert in finance and engineering and service. And, and so you can be a generalist and really have lots of people who are very good at what they do. And so, well, some people look at me and they're like, wow, that's a huge business, must be really hard to run. I actually, having done both, think that there are some parts that are easier, depending on your strengths, that are easier in running a large business than a small one. That is a really interesting perspective that I would have never considered uh, because you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm self-employed. My husband, uh, you know, runs his own small business and he has one employee to two employees um, and uh, I have none, (laughs) you know, and you're right. You run every little aspect. I mean, sure, there's things I can hire out and do hire out certain things. But yes, you're 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 right. It's it's a whole nother ball game um, when you're taking over, you know, the large business that that in a lot of ways already does, like you said, kind of have structures in place, has some things in place that you're able to, you know, as far as the day to day running of things. But leadership, like you're right, it's a lesson in humility, which absolutely uh, is number one. Um, but that's hard. That is a that's a humility. Woo, that is a hard lesson to learn. So I, you know, one of the things that I I just know about your company is that you guys really have created this, and and you you alluded to this a little bit in your introduction. You've created this culture where people matter at work. And the people that work for you and work for your company know that they have stake in something that is bigger than themselves and mm-hmm. not just refurbishing medical equipment. And sure. so I would love for you to share how that process has gone for you, casting that vision and getting people to buy into that. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So for us, people matter is the center of the bullseye of our organizational identity. And so those two words, even though it's, you know, we have a cultural argument about what types of lives matter for us, we've been this this mission has been around way longer than that argument began and will last way longer than we have the attention span for it. But ultimately, our belief that people matter more than anything that uh, more than cars, more than market share, more than profitability. And so out of that belief that people matter more, we really seek to create a thriving team culture that then supports imaging providers with equipment that serves patients around the world. And so for us, we cast that vision, ah, it's been about 10 years. And boy, when you say like, how do we get people bought into it? It's we try to live it out. Hmm. Like we, it's not when, when somebody's like, what are the three things you do? Or what, what are the systems or process? Or like, do you hang a big piece of paper on the wall? So people matter that, that yes, we do. But ultimately that's just to remind us and to invite us into action instead of just being some hypothetical uh, mission statement. So yeah, it's, it's really trying to live it out day in and day out in the fun moments where we have popsicles at three o'clock because we have a hot day in Michigan all the way across to a really tender conversation about somebody's future. Yeah, we we really want to live it out. Well, that was going to be my next question is when you say live it out, what does that look like practically? And how was this something that you began to implement into your company culture? Because it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, it doesn't. And so the first was to try to really the golden rule and then the platinum rule, right? Treat others as you'd like to be treated and then eventually treat others as they'd like to be treated because everyone doesn't always want to be treated the way that you are. Ooh, that's but good. For us, yeah, the, the, there were three T's that we didn't start with, but I'm in the process of writing a book right now and they became kind of the secret sauce. And um, the first is to make thoughtful decisions. And when you make thought, I know it sounds obvious who, who tries to make haphazard decisions, but if we make thoughtful decisions, and when you look up the definition of thoughtful, I found many years later, it's to, to have careful consideration for the needs of others. And so thoughtful decisions really allow us to, to create a safe place, a psychologically safe place for right. people to work. And so when I say thoughtful, I just mean there are so many people I talk to when, when their boss makes a decision, they're like, where did that come from? That makes, that makes no sense. It's totally antithetical. It works against our strategy. It's, it's, it's hypocritical. And so for us, like trying to make decisions that are thoughtful, which are just really align with our mission, our values, the principles that we carry and just make sense strategically. My dream would be when, when we make a decision in the organization that the people are like, wow, that was, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I, I want to jump on versus that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. So thoughtful, I'll go quicker through the second two. Transparent, uh, the second T is transparent, easy to see through, easy to understand. And when we are transparent, we allow for people to be seen, hmm. that we communicate freely and openly. And then the last is the last T is together. And when we do that, we allow people to be successful. Is, is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so this idea of like making decisions together. And so when we do transparent, when we do thoughtful, transparent, and together, we really get people who are safe, seen, and successful. And when we have those things, people start to invest and bring their very best. And then it makes it really fun to create an organization where people are safe, seen, and successful, and the cycle continues. Yeah, I love the way that you even that the way you described that, uh, how all these th things sort of build upon each other. And then mm -hmm. you have the employees that then uh, and your your colleagues who buy into this, and then they live this out. And uh, you, you, like you said, like the cycle continues, and it kind of builds. And it was funny, I was asking, or I was, my husband and I were talking um, about this, we were on a road trip a couple of weeks ago, and we had stopped for lunch along the way. And of course, like, you know, all it is is fast food restaurants along the highway. And so we pull into uh, the Lord's Chicken Chick-fil-A. And if, if you don't like Chick-fil-A, save your emails. Um, they have a, they make a delicious spicy chicken sandwich. So I we pull in and, you know, we were kind of just talking about Chick-fil-A, like company culture and how... I really have never, I've been to a lot of Chick-fil-A's. I've sure. never been to a Chick-fil-A where the employees are not kind. I yeah. mean, just, oh, I mean, just incredibly kind, competent, um, like quick. I love yep. that story of uh, back in, I think it was, I guess it was like 
2021 when uh, there was that uh, there was like a there was a COVID vaccine clinic that actually hired Chick-fil-A to help them like run their lines. I was like, that is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yes. And so you have, you know, so we were in line at Chick-fil-A. It's 1230 on a Wednesday and the line is wrapped around the building. We got in, ordered our food, went through the drive through and we're out in less than I'd say eight minutes. I mean, it was just, and there were hundreds yeah. of, I've just felt like hundreds of cars in line, probably not that many, but a lot. And then I look, you know, next door and then beyond that, and there's other fast food restaurants. I won't name the names, but you probably guess what they are. And I just said like, what is it about Chick-fil-A that has created this company culture where does not matter which Chick-fil-A you go to. Mm-hmm. The employees are kind. They they it's efficient. It's you know what I mean? And then you go to these yeah. other restaurants and it's a different experience. <laughs> and you know, and and my husband and I actually talked about how well a lot of it starts at the corporate level and mm-hmm. just one the way they interview, yes, is different cuz I was like it's not like I'm trying to figure out like it's it's like this intangible thing that I was like, what is it? Why is it sure, different? Sure. And he's like, but then you get, you know, the type of people who buy into this particular work environment and then it cycles upon itself because then those people invite their friends and then. Sure, sure. It, so it's really interesting. So I'd, I'd be curious, like, it's almost like you guys are the uh, the the medical imaging version of uh, Chick-fil-A. And so. <laughs> Like, have you seen that play out in a lot of ways? Oh my! Well, first, anyone who follows me, I mean, I'm a, I, I have twenty thousand Chick Fil A points in my app. I'm saving them just in case, you okay, know, inflation and recession, all that sort of stuff. I'm, uh, I have tons. So I'm a huge Chick Fil A fan. Our internet connection broke up for about fifteen seconds when you told me you were going out to eat, and then it broke up, and you told me where you were, and I knew you were talking about Chick Fil A, and you, I hadn't even heard you talk about Chick Fil A. Yes, right? exactly. That's, Look at that. That's 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 uh, how how significant the culture is, and uh, Chick Fil A is successful, right? I mean, it's right. not just about making a, a nice place to work. I mean, that is that's an awesome thing, but ultimately Chick-fil-A, I tripped into a Boston market a week or two ago and like I was the only person in the restaurant over the course of 45 minutes. And yeah. just what a comparison in 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 both service and in, in terms of uh, performance. But for us, like when I think about culture in Chick-fil-A, I think about the the oxygen or the atmosphere of a room. Is that if it's if it's healthy in a in a team culture, then we're we're sitting there. You and I are talking right now. I don't know what the temperature is where you're at, but it's you're we can see each other fine, and the environment's pretty good to communicate. Right. If I were to take a fog machine or a smoke machine and enter it into your office or into my room, and then even uh, mess with the internet connection, turn off the lights, all of a sudden, uh, like increase the toxicity. Before you know it, nobody wants to communicate. Nobody wants to be there. Everybody wants to drop to their knees and get out of there as quickly as possible. And so that's how it's more like some people are like, hey, what are the five tips or things you can do? And I'd say like, what's the atmosphere you're creating? If you are a thermostat, like what is the temperature that you're setting in the organization? And if you walk into McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Subway, anywhere, you're going to feel the culture right when you walk in the door. Right. I mean, it's it's just, and so it's almost as, as much as it is a doing, it is an awful lot of being as well in the way that we shape culture. I know that your heart and uh, so much of your drive and passion, you've mentioned that you're writing a book, which is, which is awesome. Congratulations. Is, you know, you you go and you speak to other companies about this and how to help other companies, you know, build this culture. And and like we've, we've talked about, this is not something that happens overnight. As you've gone and, and spoken to other companies or, and you've met with other leaders and other organizations, is there a common thread that a lot of those companies, you know, or, or people kind of come to you and say, like, I really need help with this, or we've been trying to implement, uh, you know, this into our company culture, and we're really struggling, you know, is there something in particular that you have seen people uh, like a common thread over and over through those organizations or people that might be struggling in this area, mm-hmm. you know, is there something that you, that you've seen? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I It reminds me when you think about like any article about leadership, I, I love how people try to boil it down to like one or two, like oh, yeah. humility, is, humility is the ultimate leadership quality, unless you're an idiot. And then like <laughs> humility does absolutely nothing. Or if you're like, if you just do these three things, well, if, if you're if you're really great at execution, I read a book on execution and they're like, they talk about execution is the most important thing. Everybody fails because they don't execute. And then they get to the last chapter and like, but if you don't have vision, you cannot execute on that vision. And right. you're like, oh, so is vision more important or is execution? Right. Ultimately, the real answer to your question is, I would go back to the three T's and say like, how, the inverse of that makes it really tricky. If you're, if you're a cowboy, I want to make decisions on my own. It's all about me. I want to, I want to make calls. I want to, I want to keep lots of information to myself. So I, I want to have just filing cabinets where we keep so much from the team. Cause frankly, their children, they, they can't really handle information is I want to keep a lot of information from them. And then the first would be thoughtful. I, I just, I just want to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. That sort of, I know that sounds like kind of extreme, but bent toward that end of the spectrum. So the opposite of transparency, the opposite of thoughtfulness, the opposite of together, it's going to be tricky. But when we start to see those three T's, especially surrounding an organization that's principles led, mm-hmm. that really should have started. That's the center of the bullseye is that like, rather than just picking and choosing based on your feelings in a given day, and everybody has to follow you on the roller coaster, is having principles and a mission and a vision that we just tie back to uh, over and over and over. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Josh to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Mama Suds is no stranger to the podcast. I've had the head mama, Michelle Smith, on the show before. I have been using their products for years. I love, love, love this small mama-owned company. So if you are looking for clean, non-toxic, safe, and effective cleaning products, look no further than Mama Suds. We use their Castile soap, their all-purpose cleaner, their stain stick. They're coming out with shower bombs soon. I love every single product that Mama Suds carries because not only, like I said, are they safe and non-toxic, but they are effective. They actually work. Michelle goes through rigorous testing to make sure that each product is really, truly incredible and actually works to get the job done. You can head on over to mamasuds.com and use the code Molly for 15% off your order. That's mamasuds.com and use the code Molly for 15% off. Now back to my conversation with Josh Block. So Josh, one of the things that I know that you are really passionate about is how, you know, everything that we've been talking about when it when it comes to people mattering and, uh, you know, creating this company culture that sort of, you know, has this cycle on itself for uh, creating a stronger company, creating a stronger company culture is that the ripple effects that it has and how when you have a healthy culture within a company, not only does it positively impact your customers, but also, you know, it has a positive impact on families, on marriages, on children, and the things outside of the four walls of the workplace. Oh, man, it's, it may have become the biggest piece of our mission for me personally is just that we, ha- we had a guy start a couple of weeks ago and he, he, he even just communicated to another team member. He was waiting to get yelled at. And then he just said, I, I, I went home to my wife and, and she notices a difference. And my daughter said, like, I seem lighter. Mm-hmm. And so that is, we, we've had stories where we had a during, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we had a drive-in movie. And so we showed a movie on the side of a semi-trailer that had an MRI in it. And so we had families come so they could be in cars and do something because nobody had anything to do. And so we handed out candy and everything. And one of the team members went home and, and communicated to us or put on Facebook and said, my daughter said it was the best night of her life. And the thought that the best night of her life would be anywhere around a place that their parent worked. I mean, that, that is so cool. And the thought that a, a child is raised in a home where their parents love their, their workplace, their coworkers, the mission that they get to be a part of, I just can't think of anything that, that's more significant uh, than helping parents go home uh, better people and also creating environments where children grow up in homes where work is an awesome thing. Mm. Man, that is really cool because it, there is a culture I feel like today that is often portrayed 
you know, in the media, in, you know, movies and TV shows and things like that, where you see, you know, dad has a miserable dead end job. And he's like, you know, I think of like office space and you have bosses like Bill Lumberg and you know, you have have Peter Gibbons, who's just miserable and everything is a miserable existence and everybody just hates their life. And it's just, they're doing whatever they can to just show up and clock in and get paid and leave. And, you know, there's no, uh, you know, buy-in, there's no caring. And and then, and then families are negatively affected. Marriages are negatively affected. I mean, I have a couple of dear friends who just in the last, you know, year and a half uh, left jobs that paid really well, but just were, were such a toxic company culture that it was negatively affecting their marriages. And they were like, I would rather leave this job and try to pursue something else. uh, Because that to me, the risk is worth it because my marriage is worth it or my family is worth it. Oh, for sure. For sure. It is. It is honestly the core of our mission in creating an incredible place to work was really born of the fact that I had enjoyed work as a kid. I, I, I've done all sorts of different jobs. I've waited tables at Cracker Barrel and uh, cooked at restaurants. And then I came out in the world and it's like, holy smokes, people don't, I mean, work is, work is kind of a different four letter word. And so that collision of what's happening out in the world today and my experience is really what has led us to the bullseye of our mission, which is to create a thriving place for people to work. Absolutely. And, you know, I I think one of the things that is also really interesting is, you know, just from my own like faith perspective, something that I've kind of explored over the last year or two, actually, is work is often seen, and I'm making a generalization, but I would say that a lot of times work can be portrayed as almost punitive, like as this punishment that we have to work because, uh, you know, it's especially in, you know, Christian culture, a lot of times there's like, it's like the consequence of sin and, and work has to be hard and all this kind of stuff. And when I, and when I actually take a step back and I look at what happened in, in Genesis in the beginning is God actually gave Adam work before the fall and work is seen as honorable and something that we were actually created to do. I mean, yes, you know, after the, you know, after Eve and Adam uh, ate the apple, yes, you know, things like, uh, you know, work being hard was introduced, you know, as far as like tending to the fields and thorns and weeds and all those kinds of things. But prior to that, God he said he's you know he put Adam in the garden to work it to to care for it to tend to it and so work can actually be really beautiful and be really honorable and and, and we're created to do something that matters that lasts beyond us and we are you know we were not created to be self-serving we were created to utilize the particular unique set of gifts that God gave us to steward them and to serve others with them and and a lot of times that plays out in work. And, you know, it's just, but it's, it's so countercultural to what we see more often than not kind of, again, play out, whether it's in media or even just in conversations or, you know, with friends at the dinner table where, where it's almost like, let's all sit and complain about our jobs. Oh, the the case of the Mondays or living for Friday. I mean, my, uh, my in-laws were at my house, I don't know, not too long ago. And, and my mother-in-law looked at me and was like, oh, do you have to go to work tomorrow? And I was just like, well, I, I didn't really think of the question in that way. Uh, yes, I am going to work tomorrow, but it's not because I have to. It's actually because I get to. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it is, it is a very different perspective than sitting around and not only not enjoying our work, but so often that ties to bosses is that they say people don't leave companies, they leave managers or they leave leaders. And so that right behind saying work stinks, my boss is fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Right. Absolutely. So I know I asked, you know, kind of a form of this question earlier, but I'm just kind of curious, like if there's maybe, I don't know, say case study is the is the question, but or maybe a, a particular employee or something over the last, you know, 10 years where you've really seen, you know, a kind of a tangible example of how this has played out. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, you, I mean, in the lives of people. So we just took uh, our recent engagement survey. So we take it every year. There's there's about 12 questions that are very, very, uh, very quantitative in nature from Gallup. 
And uh, 99% of the organization said that their manager cares about them as a person. Um, and most of the scores, I think 13, 13 of 15 or 10 of 12, I can't remember exactly, but uh, we're, we're over 90%. And so the engagement's very high. The care for one another is very, very high. That's incredible. And I'd be remiss to say that not to say that we've grown. I mean, we've grew 35% last year and we'll, we'll grow about 25% this year. And so there is, if people matter, performance matters. And so this isn't just a, a sitting in a hammock cozy time. We are, we are extremely high challenge environment, but it's high challenge together. And it's not just because of what we can get from someone, but it's because we believe in them. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of anecdotally, both from a uh, engagement perspective, some of the results that we've seen, and also from a performance perspective, most people would look from the outside and say, wow, they're growing and succeeding in a unique way. And it probably has something to do with the culture and mission. Mm, so good. So good. Well, tell us about the book. Uh, I know that you're you're in the process of working on it. It's it's not out yet, but give you know give people like a little bit of a a taste of what's to come, and you know so people can kind of uh, be be on the lookout. Yeah. So right now, there's kind of two working titles. Uh, one is is momentous leadership, and the other is is people matter. It's just this idea of creating a people matter culture. But the momentous side, what really stands out for me is is how we can take something big like momentous. Oh, you were, you made a momentous impact on my life. And yet it's rooted in moment, this brief point in time. And so the, the kind of um, paradoxical nature of how we stack all these little tiny moments as a mother, as a father, as a boss, or as a, as a friend, and yet someone would look back and say, you made a huge impact on my life. And mm. so that's kind of the, the, the thought is, is the general overarching theme is this idea of, of turning tiny moments and situations and, and, and into having a huge impact. And then I'm still playing with this idea of how there's a corporate cycle and there's a relationship cycle. And oftentimes the corporate cycle is all about me is the business just tries to get as much as they can out of the person. And the person just gets as much as they can out of the business. And it's just cannibalistic in, in nature, yes. just trade trading work for money. And that's it. We all get out of here as fast as we can because we can't really stand each other. And we're just simply mining what the other person has to offer and flipping that cycle to um, a we cycle or a relationship cycle where, hey, we make a place where you're you're seen safe and successful. And then you bring your very best. And when you bring your very best. We're like, hey, we're going to create a place where you love to work. And the more they love to work here, the more they bring their best and just incredible things start to happen. So that's kind of the the uh, the overarching or skeleton of of what we're looking to dig into with this book. So good. I cannot wait for it to come out. My vote is for People Matter, but I love both titles. <laughs> it, it, that's funny. It, we have honestly momentous leadership. I was pretty caught on that for a while. And now I've started getting more and more people who are who are saying it's got it's just got to be People Matter, how to create a thriving workplace. And so, yeah, the, the, your vote is being stacked on other votes <laughs> toward that direction. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, Josh, before we get to the get to know you round, is there anything else in particular? Just, you know, again, I know that you travel and you speak to a lot of places and, and, you know, this is such a, a heart and a, you know, a pulse of, of who you are. Um, is there anything else that you just want to like l bits of wisdom or knowledge or anything you want to leave us with before we get to the get to know you round? <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that comes to mind when I when I go and speak to healthcare organizations and and talk to leaders and do coaching and that sort of stuff, a lot of questions get asked and the thing that comes out, the answer to most questions from a leadership perspective comes from the brilliant Brené Brown and it's the words clearest kind. Mm. And it's funny, I you know, I'm going to be speaking in Arizona at a couple of sessions uh, in a couple of weeks. And watch the Q&A every time they ask it in different ways. What if a person's coming later? What if this or what if that or what? And you're like, OK, I just now need to find a new way of saying what Brene said, which is clear as kind is being clear with our people is that is such a magic bullet. And people leaders are holding so much back and they've got these filing cabinets of information that the people really wish that they knew. And so that's probably if there was anybody, any leader who was like, who's made it this far in this podcast today and still listening, I would just say like, man, there is so much opportunity to share and be more transparent with people 
and it will serve you and the person and the organization really well. Absolutely. And I think that's a lesson for marriage too. Oh, sure. Oh my gosh. We can really have parenting. Let's just throw it out there as a leadership lesson in basically any relationship. Friendship. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Communication. I got a 15 year old daughter and it's just like, here we, you know, we're starting to have a conversation around dating and it's just like, here are some of my thoughts on dating. It's not because I'm, I want to be controlling and it's not even because of God's thoughts or your feelings about what he's mad at or not mad at. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, here are some of my perspectives on dating and your mom and I's experience and that sort of thing. And it's just been an open dialogue and it's fascinating to sit on the couch and just dialogue about things versus everybody guessing what the other person's really thinking. Mm, Yes. Communication is key. Don't assume that, you know, the other person in whatever relationship you're trying to foster can read your mind. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I mean, that is such that's a really hard lesson for a lot of people. But man, is it important? Well, and the, what's the, the worst is not only are we holding back as leaders, but the people are guessing what you're thinking, and they're yeah. not very good guessers. No. So they're like, oh, Molly probably is thinking this about my performance. And they're all worried about it. And they're losing sleep and they're anxious and stuff. And you're like, actually, let me just tell you what I'm really concerned about so that you can stop thinking about that thing over there. I'm actually concerned about this. And then the person can, if they're going to worry about something, at least let them worry about what's true versus just playing uh, like uh, guess, guess game what my manager is concerned about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then if you have a personality type like mine, um, it's... <laughs> is my brain tends to spiral to like worst case scenario. Now I'm I have enough spiritual, uh, emotional and just life maturity to like, I know how to also talk my brain out of the worst case scenario. But it's like the natural tendency to like, you know, to just immediately go to the place where I'm like, this person probably hates me. Uh, this is now the I'm now the worst person ever. And everyone doesn't like me. You know what I mean? I'm doing a terrible job. <laughs> like, sure, sure, sure. The inner critic. The oh, inner critic. 100%. There's nothing worse than when your spouse or your manager or a friend says, we need to talk. And because and then there's like a long break in between the when we need to talk and actually sitting down and talking. Uh, and in that time, you have gone to all of the deep recesses sure. of your mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and even on top of that, like the manager who thinks they're being really kind, like, oh, I don't want to critique. I don't want to challenge. I don't really want to, I don't want to ruin their day. And so we, we hold all of this back and then something happens and we're like, now we're going to talk about everything that I'm frustrated about. And you think you're being kind. And in reality, you're not. You're you're just dumping a whole bunch on them at, at once. And so, yeah, kindness, again, clear as kind in the moment, in the day, in the week. I love our, our director of marketing at the end of a performance review. She looked at her team member and she said, uh, that is all the feedback that I have for you. I'm holding nothing back. Hmm. And it's so beautiful. Like this person gets to leave. And I love this idea of like to be look at all of my direct reports in the organization and say, there is nothing that I am thinking about you that's that's that has any level of significance about your performance that I have not shared with you. Right. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, like I, I am not supposed to say when mic drop, but like when that happens, it, it's visceral. Like the, the organizations around the world would change if people could at the end of the day say to their people, I'm holding nothing back. Oh, so good. And I think that's the perfect place uh, to kind of put a bow on this conversation. Josh, this has been so, so rich, so good. And I know that there are so many leaders um, who are going to just take away so much from this conversation. And people who, you know, maybe somebody who's listening, who is an employee at, at an organization and might empower them to go to their, their, you know, their superior, their boss and say, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about X, Y, Z? Um, so I'm, I pray that the, you know, good conversations and shifts in company culture come from this. Love it. Love it. All right. Before we go, uh, now is the time for the get to know you round. So we just ask some fun questions to uh, end our time together. So Josh, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. All right. Question numero uno is, uh, what was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? 
Boy, that's a good question. I the the two that come to mind when I think about growing up, Saved by the Bell and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes, love me some Fresh Prince and Saved by the Bell. <laughs> it's funny though because my kids are now you know in this age where they're watching some of those like like cheesy laugh track type shows. And I yep. was saying to my husband the other day, I was like, is this like the modern day version of Say by the Bell, but just not as iconic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't iconic at the time, right? Is the, it, it just wasn't, but man, it isn't, it's crazy. Your husband, you guys didn't, were not raised in the same city. No, we were not. It's amazing. You get you get married and you're like, you were watching Saved by the Bell the same time I was watching Saved by the Bell right. across, halfway across the country. And that's how, you know, that's just how, how common something was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Always so, so fascinating to me. And and just even just how different, you know, you'll you'll talk to people and like we'll share, you know, nostalgic memories. And I think about, you know, I grew up in Northern Virginia. My husband grew up in Western North Carolina. And, you know, we talked about how, uh, you know, we both, you know, passed notes in class and they were folded in weird like paper footballs. Or uh, did you, I, I would be curious because we're, we're pretty close in age. When you were growing up, did you play bloody knuckles? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking no. about? Yeah, I do know what Bloody Knuckles is, but I yeah, that would not have been that would not have been my jam. See, I didn't play Bloody Knuckles, but I we would we John and I were talking about how it was like here he was in Western North Carolina and he's like, Oh yeah, me and my guy friends like would sit in, you know, eighth grade earth science or whatever and play bloody knuckles, which if you're listening, you're like, what is this game? Uh, the, the way we played it and the way that his people played it as well is it's like a quarter and you like, you put your knuckles on a table, like, like you make your hand into a fist and then put it on a table. And then like, you have to like, uh, flick a quarter at them. And then, ah. yeah, I don't know. It's and everybody listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about is like, what? I know. OK, the the, the mid 90s were weird and I did not play this. But every boy in my middle school played this game and we were talking about it. My husband was like, oh, yeah, all the boys in my school played it, too. And I'm like, how, oh, did, my God. how did bloody knuckles like <laughs> transcend the states uh, in the mid 90s. Anyway, I realize that's very random. And how did we get there from say by the bell and Fresh Prince? I don't know. But in any in any event. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, I, I, I was I'm paper football we'd have played, but I was I was uh, getting hurt wasn't wasn't high on my list. Yeah, in that era. Of okay, life. you and me are the same in that area because I, <laughs> I never understood it. I remember always looking over at the eighth grade boys and being like, "Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> this makes no sense." Um, okay. Anyway, question number two is: If you had to eat the same meal for dinner every night for the rest of your life, what would it be? The same meal every day for the rest of my life. Man, I think it's probably like a Qdoba or Chipotle burrito bowl. Correct. Correct answer is Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle? Yeah. You yeah, didn't I know just, that this I was a quiz. <laughs> no, it's got, I mean, it has variety. It's got the chips. It's got, yeah, I think that that's probably the, that's probably for me, but I like let's it. not do that. I like it. I'm a fan. See, Chipotle is like my love language. So I, yeah, absolutely. When my husband and I got engaged, like we went for our celebratory lunch uh, to Chipotle. So obviously Chipotle. I'm extremely high maintenance as a... <laughs> That's right. Very, very bougie. Very bougie is, uh, but I did get guac. Okay. So I paid extra for guac. So that is a certain level of bougie. Well, I, I went there yesterday and she, I get to the counter and I do Qdoba more than Chipotle more because of location than anything. And she's like, I think I got guac and queso maybe. And she's like, bing, bing, bing. And I've watched it all of a sudden I'm at $13 burrito bowl, oh, yeah. which I think is the new normal. But yeah, I, I, there were some extras at Chipotle, I got to say. <laughs> yes. So good. Okay. What is a dream that you have yet to achieve? A dream that I have yet to achieve. Oh man, I, I honestly like the 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 truest answer is life has so far surpassed what I would have ever imagined in terms of family and in terms of career and in terms of community and friendship that it's a hard answer. But if I were to say a dream that I'd love to achieve is I, I would love to, at some point in my career, just work almost one-to-one -one with other leaders. 
is just to sit down. I'm being coached myself and to, to coach with others um, and, and walk through not so much strategic. There are lots of coaches who, who deal with that sort of stuff, but to do holistic coaching with people and just ask questions and get people thinking in ways that they oftentimes either don't have time to think about or they, they aren't able to be vulnerable with anyone around. That's probably, I know that's kind of a, that's kind of a weirdo answer, but that, that's what I would probably, one thing I'd love to do before I die. I don't think it's a weirdo answer at all. I that's a career perfect. answer. If there was another one, I don't know. I, I love traveling to cool places. Um, so there'd probably be some of that sort of stuff. But yeah, but the coaching of leaders uh, who really care would be would be a, a dream of mine. Yeah, I don't think it's a weird answer. I love it. Okay, and then this is actually leading to my last question, which is the question I ask all my guests, Josh, and that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Oh, that's what we've been talking about for the last 30 uh, or 40 minutes. Uh, no. But yeah, to, uh, to run a business with purpose, I would say that to, to have a team who takes pride in what they do, who respects and, and appreciates their, their boss and the organization, all that sort of stuff. And, and ultimately, it means that in five or 10 years, they look back and they go, I cannot believe how much I've grown. I am not like if, if, if block imaging hadn't entered my story, I'd be doing this or that, but it, it would have tapped into a fraction of my gifts and passions and abilities. And so, yeah, that people would look back in five or 10 years and say, like who I've become. I'm so incredibly grateful and, and thankful for this journey. That's, that's probably what it means for me. So good. Josh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule to, to sit and chat with me and share your wisdom. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the invite. It's great to be with you. Josh is just absolutely an incredible human being. I loved this conversation so much. I would love to know what you loved about this particular episode. Please let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you're on social media. Be sure to visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button and take a moment to leave a review so I can know how the show is personally impacting you. Be sure to tune in next week for my episode with Michelle Fortin. And let me tell you that Michelle is hilarious. You might know her from her viral videos with her comedy group, Top Knot Comedy. She is absolutely hysterical. We laughed and laughed and laughed. I There were so many times throughout this episode when we were recording it where I just could not stop laughing and my stomach hurt by the end. So if you are just looking for somebody to make you laugh, definitely tune in next week with my episode with Michelle. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And thank you to the incredible team at Third Wheel Media for producing this show. As always, go do something good with purpose on purpose.